Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, the remnant. You troublemakers tuning into this podcast, standing up for the truth. Come on. You know that's not popular. Anyway, thank you guys so much. And I, just, it's been one of those weeks. Thank God it's Friday. I uh, can't wait to, our, to get to our in-studio guest. But I just want to share, because of so much that's going on in the world, and especially in the last year, year and a half, I recognize that a lot of my friends have been stressed, higher levels of anxiety. Um, we're dealing with, I mean, the world deals, we are in this world, but not of this world. So we deal with the stress and the problems and the chaos in our culture. And I just really want to take a break from so much of the noise. And I know we get into the headlines and all the pressing issues, um, like um, them kicking God out of Congress last week. <laughs> just some stuff that you're going, wow, this is the way of the world. We are in a worldview war, two very different worldviews, one with God, one without God, and we're seeing this manifested in the forces of darkness as it talks about in Ephesians 6. So today we're going to talk about a balanced perspective, an eternal perspective. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about persecution, a little bit about things that we need to talk about so that we can just kind of step back and go, okay, we've got to make sure that we are walking with God here and trusting him every step of the way and not getting wrapped up in the things of the world. So we've got a live in-studio guest today, and I'm going to ask Eric Jackson to open us in prayer. Thank you. Father God, we just come before you right now, and I think all of us need a little bit of a, a, a chance, maybe even permission, to just be still. And so, God, just this morning, I pray that no matter where we're all at, as far as our stress level, as far as um, the worry that we might be feeling and, and the future that we, we might think is in question, I just I pray that you help us to be still. You help us to be able to take a step back and trust you, um, to trust that you have this under control, uh, to trust that we can lean into your presence, and your presence is enough for us, no matter what the situation, that even if we're in the fiery furnace, um, you're in there with us, Thank and you, so Lord. we can have peace. And so, God, I pray that for everybody listening, that there's a moment of peace and just being still and knowing that you are God. And as we uh, continue to, to look to your word for, for reasons to be able to take a step back and let go of some anxiety and cast it at your feet, that it always goes back to the fact that we know your God, that that's the reason we can do anything that we're going to do. And it's the reason we can have some peace and joy in the midst of fiery trials is because we know your God. And so, Lord, help us to be still, help us to listen, help us to enjoy your presence, Lord God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brother, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Eric, of course, uh, he's been with us uh, many times before. I think the last, uh, it's been a while, months yeah. since you've been in here, and we're glad to have you back in town for the day. Um, he's a pastor, and it's at um, Foundation Church, right, in yep. Manaqua. Yep. Uh, the book he's authored is called Feral Christian, F-E-R-A-L. We'll talk a little bit about that in and out of the conversation today, but you're working on a new one. You are a glutton for punishment, brother. Yeah, <laughs> I just I finished mine. <laughs> it's so much work, but but as we were talking, it is so— um, when you allow yourself to just hear what God is saying, it, it's kind of like, you know, we might look at Acts today, and it, it's just that attitude of, of how can I stop myself from speaking or writing or whatever when I feel like there is something that God has to say that is that is powerful. It's like you just have to say it. And I think yeah. that that those of us who, you know, who have heard the the voice of God and I hope everybody has you get into that mindset where you're like I it really doesn't matter. I got to speak this. Absolutely. We can't What's that word in Jeremiah? You, oh, actually, there's a couple different uh, paraphrases of the, the idea that we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Yeah. And if you have seen the Lord Jesus, not in the flesh here like the apostles did, 
but we've seen him. We know him, right? Yeah. We can't stop uh, sharing about him, helping other believers draw closer to him. Um, even our struggles, the stuff we struggle with, this, this life is definitely not without its challenges. But for some reason, and I know it's God, he put Ecclesiastes 3 on my heart this week. And so I just want to share a little bit from that. Um, there is an appointed time for everything, and there's a time for every matter under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to search and a time to give up as lost, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear apart and a time to sew together, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And then it goes down in verse 11. It says, he has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart. Uh, let's stop right there for a moment. We've heard the song, um, There's a God-Shaped Hole. Uh, that's this idea of every human being, we have a void that only he can fill. Um, Eric, I want to talk about that before I share a couple more verses. Just your thought, what comes to mind when you talk about God ordains times and seasons, right? Yeah, and, and I think it. What, <clears throat> what I get from this is, you know, this isn't, I don't know, I think a lot of us just don't accept this. You know, I, I just think that it's it, the idea that we hey, want to control things. That's exactly yeah. it. There's going to be a time where you're going to mourn and there's nothing you can do to change that. You can choose to not mourn in the moment, but eventually you're going to have to walk through that if you want to find some healing about what happened. And I think so many of us, we're in this this mode, and I would put myself in there. God's really been dealing with me on this. Is We find ourselves so frustrated and so angry, and it's because we expect to be in control of what's happening and that if we just do things right, it's always going to be a certain outcome. Hmm. And and this just tells us that's that's not the truth. There's going to be times where there's going to be an outcome that we don't like, and no matter what we do, that's just what it's going to be. And it's funny because the, the book I'm starting now is is about Jonah, and I it just perfectly fits in mm -hmm. because there's this moment where God asked Jonah just such a hard question. He's just like, why are you so angry? And it, it's Is that just, after the people repented? Yes. And and Jonah's <laughs> just, and he he doubled down. He's like, I'm right to be angry. I mean, he he was, and, and I, I look at a lot of us, and I think if we're honest, we've all just been angry. And I think, what if God looked at you right now and just said, why are you so angry? Mm. And with Jonah, it was because he wanted there to be a certain outcome. Judgment. Yeah, he had decided this is what the right outcome is. And since I didn't get the outcome that I wanted, mm. I have the right to be angry. And I think so many of us, and I would be in there too, if God really just sat me down and said, why are you so angry? I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have a better reason than Jonah had. I'll put it mm. that way. There's a context there. Um, since you brought it up, mm -hmm. um, there are people I'm thinking of that throughout my lifetime and even now today around the world that are um, haters of God. Um, they suppress the truth, and they really are. There's a demonic spirit driving them. <laughs> it's hard to pray for them, yeah. but we are to pray for them that God would radically change their heart. they got to soften it, break it, get through to their hearts, send someone along their path so that they can hear the gospel, and hopefully they'll be saved because even as radical as some of these prominent people are in our culture, whether that be Hollywood or government, there are some very evil people, some elites, global elites, wanting to control the world, the Great Reset and all that. There are some people that are very evil, and they don't have a, a biblical worldview. Obviously, they want, they, are, they want to be their own gods. Well, it's hard to pray for them. <laughs> if I'm going to be honest with everybody, there are days where I just go, God, would you just judge them and send them to hell? But that is not God's heart, is it? That's an outcome that I would, I have a right to be angry. Look at what they're doing. They're leading people astray. 
but we are to pray for them. And when people ask me about praying for people like that, like everybody says, oh, we pray for the president. Every time there's a president, we pray for the president. And I just wonder how the prayers are, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, depending on who's in office. I wonder if your prayers are the same. Uh, I would I would, you know, if I was a betting man, I would say they're not. <laughs> I would say that they're they're different. Just in my experience, um, it, it's hard. I mean, and that's what it, this is just a hard thing, because, I mean, that's going back to the Garden of Eden. Once we try to take control of the knowledge of what the right or wrong outcome is, we're not good at that. that that's just we, and, and <laughs> that's we, an understatement. Yeah, right there. <laughs> and, and it leads to all these emotions, all these negative emotions. If you think about, I mean, the shame was never felt in on this earth until we tried to decide right and wrong outcomes. That was what first made us feel shame. Before that, we didn't even know what that felt like. Mm -hmm. And I think so many of us are living in these negative emotions. And like we just read, there's going to be times where you're going to feel negative emotions. And Mm -hmm. that's just ordained. That's part of of this human existence. But there's a lot of these negative emotions, whether it's anxiety or anger or shame and guilt. And they're really brought on by our desire to control what happens because we think we know what's right Mm. and what's wrong. That's, that's where a lot of our stress comes from, um, and it's natural. We want to be in control of our lives to the, whatever extent, to the greatest extent possible, but th- life, I mean, there are so many things that we just have to— You know the word that comes to my mind again? Surrender. Yeah. We have to keep surrendering to God, and that's not a bad thing. We don't surrender to the world. We don't surrender to culture. We don't surrender to you know godlessness or evil. We surrender to the Lord our God who loves us and has our best interests at heart. That's who we surrender to. So the surrender in that context is never a bad thing, but it's so hard yeah. to let go. And, and you said before um, uh, we got together here, we exchanged a few emails, and you said this is hard to do because in your words— uh, I think living in the present can be so difficult. No, those are my words. Where are your words? Um, <laughs> that's that's funny. I know there that it sounds is. like me. There, there it is. No, you said the idea of being present in each moment. That's hard to do. Yeah. That that's and as a Christian, uh, we have to bring the Holy Spirit in and let Him guide us, direct our steps, as it says in um, I think it's Proverbs three, five, and six. But we have to trust Him with all all of our heart lean not on our own understanding, in all our ways acknowledge him. Those are three things we need to do. Yeah. And then he will direct our steps. Yeah. Well, and it's, right? it's, it's, you have to be present, you mm. know, and that's just the idea of even if you look at God, it's like it's his presence. That's everything. It's like the presence of God is what, what really changes things. And we understand that about God, but I don't think we understand that about ourselves, is that our presence is one of the most powerful things we have and to choose. And so if you look at Isaiah, it tells us to not dwell on the former things. And in James, it tells us don't sit there and be like, hey, next week I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. It's like, understand there needs to be a plan, but understand you might not even get there. You don't even know what tomorrow is. And the Bible kind of tells us this, hey, you got to be in the moment. The moments are where your presence is meant to be because simply being present is part of your calling. That's part of your anointing is Mm. you just being where God has put you and being there mentally, being Mm. there emotionally. And I know in my life when I do that, I'm less angry. I don't know how it all plays out, but I've seen my anger levels go down um, because I'm not... I mean, even if you look at the story of Jonah... It's like he was thinking of the past, of, of all of the reasons why judgment needed to happen. I believe if he would have been in the moment and experienced the repentance and the radical change that happened in those people's hearts, mm-hmm. I don't think he would have been as angry about what happened, but he wasn't living in that. He was living in the past and maybe even the future of what he thought, hey, they're going to change their mind and they're going to you know, go back to their old ways. Yeah. And, and I think that we fall into that same trap. Big amen. And I want to apply um, that thought in that context because Nineveh, from what I understand, genuinely repented. And whether you call it a revival or or what, they repented. And um, I don't remember historically how long they lasted there, but 
here we are in America. We're thinking a lot of us have said, um, I think it was Billy Graham's wife, I think, that, that, that first said, uh, if, if God doesn't judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. A lot of us have said that through the decades. Right. And we're seeing it now. It's not going to get any better morally right. outside of a move of God, a miracle of God, a, 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 an awakening or a true revival in the church. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't see it happening. However, looking at Jonah, um, we want this nation to be judged. We want Jesus to return now, but God's patience means salvation. We are living. Here's, here's the thing. In America, we have been so blessed. We are the anomaly in the world for 250 whatever years. To, be, to have the religious freedoms we do based on the laws of nature the, and nature's God, the Constitution that we have that gives us religious freedom and freedom of speech, a lot of countries around the world cannot grasp that thought. They're going, really? You guys can say anything? In public, you know, we are so blessed. But here, we only have four minutes in this segment, but I want to start. I've got two stories we'll get to in this podcast. One of them uh, over in Venezuela. Venezuela, Four Christians were stabbed. They had crosses carved into their skin, and they were forced to eat pages of the Bible. Um, you can find over at Discern, D-I-S-R-N. You can go to, I think, the Christian Post. You know, I uh, have d- d- mixed emotions about referring people to the Christian Post, but that, that's for another time. Four Christians were terrorized by eight hooded men who stormed the Restoration House. Now, this place is a church-led drug rehab center in that country. And these hooded men stormed it. It says, quote, the criminals covered our faces and started to beat and stab us. They drew a cross on our bodies and forced us to eat the Bible. So there's a watchdog group, uh, persecution watchdog group, Open Doors, said that the rehab center received threats recently from those opposed to the ministry's work, right? <laughs> just so sad. These men, they just wanted to be rehabilitated from drugs, and uh, it's a Christian organization, and then this happens. But this is what a lot of countries uh, the cutting of crosses into the bodies, bodies of these young Christians and forced eating of pages of the Bible is deeply disturbing, one of these, the directors said, uh, f- for open doors. The premeditated attack has all the ha- hallmarks of the local collectives of the Maduro regime. So this shows how Venezuela has become a dictatorial narco state, which is violently opposed to the drugs rehabilitation work of the church. And so one of the reasons that Christians are disliked in that country is the predominance of crime and gang activity in the Latin American nations. So this is just one example. Um, we'll get to another one later, but we've, we've seen Boko Haram, we've seen in Nigeria, Sudan, other places where they go into villages and just terrorize Christians for no other reason other than their faith, what they believe. Eric, your, your thoughts in the last two and a half minutes of this segment on not only that we're spoiled here, but just the perspective that we need to have as Christians in America. Yeah, well, and I think that is the word that, that comes to my mind is just perspective. I, I think that, again, just taking a step back and realizing that you are part of something bigger, that, that the body of Christ is more than your local church, and it's more than even the churches in this country, mm-hmm. that the body of Christ is the collective around the world. And, and you look at it with that perspective to see, wow, we have some amazing, amazing blessings over us. Even right now, even if you look to the future and say, oh man, what might, ch- you know, what changes might be coming you can still look at all the blessings. And I just think of the ministry of Paul. I think of all of his writings and the the terrible things that he came up against and the way that he was able to have these perspectives about looking at the blessings of every situation. You know, I even think in this situation, if it was Paul, he probably would be like, we're celebrating because this means that we're having an impact. If Mm. people are actually looking at the church and thinking that, what we're doing in people's lives is going to affect their business with drugs. 
that is that means we're doing something great. And, it, you know, I know it's harder to have that perspective. And I'm not saying I would have that perspective. Oh but to me, that's the word that comes to mind is do we have the perspective of Paul, who, I mean, was beaten, pretty much left for dead, gathered himself and limped into the next city because he still had an opportunity to to preach the gospel. I, We have to take a break. Uh, Eric Jackson's our guest. His, his book is called Feral Christian. I'll put a link in the podcast notes at standardforthetruth.com if you want to check it out. But uh, we really need to remember how to live for the present, keep that eternal perspective as we endure for the cause of Christ. That's the theme of today's podcast today. We'll talk a little bit more about persecution, and uh, we'll go to the book of Acts when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest in studio, Eric Jackson, the author of Feral Christian, and he is also a pastor of Foundation Church in Manaqua, Wisconsin. Let's go back to Ecclesiastes and finish up some thoughts on that chapter 3. Uh, verse 12 says, I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every person who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will remain forever. There is nothing to add to it, and there is nothing to take from it. And God has so worked that people will fear him. That which is, is what has already been. And that which will be, has already been. And God seeks what has passed by. Furthermore, I have seen under the sun that in the place of justice there is wickedness, and in the place of righteousness there is wickedness. I said to myself, God will judge the righteous and the wicked for a time for every matter and for every deed is there. So meaning there is a time for every matter and every deed. And so he wraps it up. In another place, he says there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, it's a famous uh, a verse or idea from Solomon. But um, he talks about contentment there. He talks about, you know, the about fearing God. God has worked that people will fear him. And we can kind of sneak to the end of uh, Ecclesiastes where it says, here it is, here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and obey his commandments because he will bring every act to judgment, whether it is good or whether it is evil. And that's the way Ecclesiastes ends. And we just went through um, a uh, good part of chapter three. Your thoughts on uh, any of uh, these last verses we just read, Eric? Well, and I would even say uh, at the end, it says, you know, love God, fear him, obey his commands. And then it says, and enjoy a meal with your family. I mean, and that really goes along with what we're saying is like, enjoy that you have people around you that you love. Mm. Enjoy a good meal with them because that is a, a gift from God. God has given you Mm. the ability. And I think that that's where even just going with this idea of living in the present is, has our anger about what's happening or what we think should happen and outcomes that we don't like, is it making you not enjoy the time that you have with your family, um, wow. the ministries you have with your kids, and just being present there with them? And that's where I say it's, that's one of the biggest sources of influence you have is your present your presence in whatever situation you're in. And it's something that God's been really speaking to me is that every moment is like sacred. Um, you're never going to have that moment again. Even this moment right now with us in this room, I mean, I might come and be a guest on the show again, but we're never going to have this exact moment where we're both at the exact same place that we're at, in the moods that we're at, in this mm. sort of situation. And and so this, what we're called to do, what obedience looks like in this moment, what showing love looks like in this moment, either, either we're going to do it or the moment's going to be gone. And um, that's what I love about Ecclesiastes. It says, yeah, fear God, obey his commands, but also, hey, the, the big things in life are sitting down and having a good meal with your family. And uh, we can't miss mm. that because if we start missing that, the, the joy in our life is going to go pretty mm. fast. Um, I thought of a verse when you shared the idea of being present, that we can really not only enjoy what God is doing now, and that 
often includes people around us, people in our lives, but also the influence that we could have in a particular moment. Um, I thought about 2 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 14, it says, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us reveals the fragrance of the knowledge of him in every place. And then he goes on, another uh, translation uses the word aroma. Uh, influence. Uh, you know, he says, For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. And then it just it talks about the two, kind of differentiates. To the one, an aroma from death to death. To the other, an aroma from life to life. And that idea of our Christian faith and our witness, we leave an impression, and this refers to it as a fragrance, almost like a flowery or a cologne or a perfume, or I think of patchouli or something like that, something more natural, right? But we leave a fragrance of Christ. But then uh, it talks about from death to death, those who are perishing, who do not receive Christ, it's that aroma is not going to turn out well. But your thoughts on that, because you brought up the idea of being present, having that influence in that moment with people around you. We do leave, as Christians, a fragrance or an aroma. Yeah, that is so good. And I'm going to be stealing that, by the way. You're welcome. So, yeah, You're because welcome. I will be stealing that because <laughs> that is so good. Because what I love is that you said we leave an aroma. And that is the, the thing is... If you live in the moment, your impact is bigger than the moment. Because like an aroma, if you have something that smells real bad, even if you take it out, that aroma stays in the room for a while. And if you have a smell that's really good, even if it leaves, it stays for a good amount of time. And I think that we downplay the impact of the moment. Because we think, well, if I'm only, uh, you know, obedient in the moment, then once the moment's gone, then my, my impact will be gone. But when you look at it as a fragrance or as an aroma, you understand that, hey, even when I leave this moment, I'm going to leave that here. Hmm. And it's going to stay for a little while. Um, and like I said, you know, you've had a bad smell go through. It takes a while for that to clear out. And I think that, again, if, if we're operating from a place of fear and anger and bitterness and resentment, you know, what kind of smell are we leaving in the lives of the people that we're around? Mm. Wow. Uh, kind of like a rotten egg sulfur smell. Yeah. Um, I love what you said. If you live in the moment, your impact is bigger than the moment. Let's camp out here for a minute because— when you leave a person or a conversation or however much time you spent with that person, what took place, and that's where our job as Christians is so important because a lot of us, I miss a lot of opportunities, a lot of divine appointments where I could be more patient and really be in that moment and have an impact on that person. After I leave, they can be going, wow, that, that was really encouraging. And what I did, hopefully, as Christians, what we do is, point them to Jesus, whether, it depends on whether they're a believer or not, but we can encourage people to draw closer to God or give them encouragement by the hope that we have. They can have hope no matter what they're going through. If their hope is not in this world, if it's in Christ, if your hope is in people, politics, performance, or possessions, you're going to be left empty. Yeah, and I think that's where we, we can trust the Holy Spirit that, you know, if we're telling people the Word of God, which I would say that's usually how you have an impact, is by giving some word from God that is truth, that mm. isn't your opinion, that isn't whatever. And then what the Bible tells us is that one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to remind people the Word of God. And so that's one of those situations where you understand if you're speaking truth, you got to trust that even when you walk away, the Holy Spirit is going to bring that back up in their mind, and it's going to start running through their mind mm -hmm. a little bit more. And one of the—I did not come up with this, but it's been something that has changed how I talk to people in the moment. Is um, it, it's a phrase that it says, "Someone changing their mind is like changing their clothes. They're not going to do it with you there." <laughs> and that is something that has changed how I do it. Is is be willing to leave. Be willing to actually let the moment 
be done and trust that God can can continue using that moment well after you're gone. Mm. You don't need to see the payoff while you're there because it's probably not going to happen. But then trusting that that those words are going to be rattling around in their brain for a while. Um, and so you, you can just let that moment be mm. exactly what it is. I just can't move on from your quote, um, what you just said a few minutes ago, but I think living the present is difficult for a lot of us because— for two reasons. One, we sometimes hang on to the past and we've got dragging baggage along. For another, we're looking ahead, wanting things to be different or better, wanting, and I hate this expression, the new normal, wanting to get back to normal. We're in a new normal now. I just, just throw normal out. Normal is a uh, routine. It's, you get into a rut. Too much normal, you will be in a rut. But you said if you live in the moment, your impact is bigger than the moment. I want to, I don't remember if I shared on this podcast, Spike may remember or not, and let yourself off the hook. Give yourself grace when you make mistakes, when you miss those opportunities. Don't beat yourself up. But I I get really emotional thinking about this missed opportunity I had a few weeks ago, and I know God has forgiven me because I, I repented of it because I didn't, I wasn't living in the moment. I was busy. I had to go, go somewhere. I was at a gas station, and a guy, uh, two guys were walking, uh, as I was getting gas, one guy went across the street and the other guy came over. And I don't remember, did he? Uh, he said, he didn't ask me for a ride, but he said, hey, uh, uh, where, are you, where are you going? Are you going uh, to the other side of town or whatever? I said, no, I'm just actually going right down the street here. I knew he wanted a ride. Um, and his friend was across the street. I said, uh, no, I'm just going right, right across the street here. Just uh, whatever. I don't remember what I said, but I missed the moment. I'm thinking, what kind of conversation could I have had with him and or his friend if I would have just said, hey, you know what, jump in? Because they just wanted to go the other side of town from what I understand, and they, he was, I think his friend was kind of running to get the bus. But I just feel you know, like I missed a moment big time where I could have probably either led someone to Christ or really uh, encouraged them. And um, so often I, I, I look back and I go, man, I, I, I've been so busy. And that's when we get wrapped up into what we have going on. We have an outcome, right? We want to get to this thing, our schedule, right? And this was on a Saturday. Yeah. So I have no excuse. And I preach about it. I preach about, you know, being led by the Spirit and those divine opportunities, and I missed it myself. So I'm just confessing to you guys. I don't remember if I've shared that. Have I? Do you remember that story? I think I shared that at church. Um, but I didn't share it here. And, and I'm, you know, I don't pretend to say I have my act all together and I, I do everything right. I don't. I miss it. And I, that was one of those things where I go, man, um, I know God will bring someone else along this man's path if, if he didn't hear the gospel from, some, from me and he was supposed to that day. That's how God he orchestrates and he just uses someone else to do it. Yeah, and I could give you five stories of me doing that. So you're not alone. There's there's a hundred times where I look back and I go, oh, I missed it. Not, I mean, a, not that, a hundred, Eric. Come oh, on. I, I think so. I mean, <laughs> and you can talk to you can talk to my wife. She'd probably know more than I do of situations. <laughs> um, and I think it, like here's one of the things, and I don't know how much we can get into this, but what I've realized is we live in the past and in the future because of wounds. Wounds, I, I think that's one of the biggest issues with the church in this country is we are living wounded and we're not putting in the work to get whole. You mean we're hurt by other ch Christians yeah. or churches we used to go to? Or yeah, something. we have scars and wounds. And how you know you have a wound is when something has happened in your past and in your mind you are saying, I will never let that happen again. Hmm. Because what you're saying is, I will be in control and I don't care. I will be in control of not letting... Now you have to control outcomes because you have made that manifesto. Hmm. I will never let that happen again. And so when you're in that mindset, you have to live in the future because everything you're doing is you trying to figure out how to prevent something from happening. And when you're whole, that's when you say, I did not enjoy that experience at all, but God healed me. So I'm going to live in each moment. I'm going to trust him. And trust that even if it happens again, he'll heal me again. And that is the problem that I think I've seen in even my life is when the more I've tried to be in control of outcomes, it's because I'm living through my wounds and I'm living to prevent something from happening because I have declared 
I will never let that happen again. Mm. And, and I think that so many of us live in that declaration of, of our wounds. Uh, we don't have a lot of time left in this segment, but um, I do want to just touch on this other story about persecution. And uh, this one's over in, in Nigeria. Um, in just the last couple of weeks, you may have heard the headlines, two mass kidnappings uh, took place. They were at schools in northwestern Nigeria. Unidentified gunmen attacked a boarding school in Niger State, killing one student, kidnapping 42. Uh, apparently, there's a little bit of good news. 38 were uh, of the abducted were rescued a week later, so there is some good news. Uh, the day before that rescue, unknown gunmen in this neighboring Zamfara uh, state kidnapped over 300 girls from a boarding school. So it's not clear whether the kidnappings were driven by ideology or ransom money. The, the motive doesn't, uh, it's not clear to them at, at this point from what I understand. But this is a recent article. But regardless of the motivation, we don't go through that here in America. They don't go through one of our uh, public schools or Christian schools, and, and we don't have armed gunmen or masked, you know, because they're, it's a Christian school. They don't take hundreds of girls or boys or whatever. Uh, we're just so blessed here. Again, eternal perspective, friends, worldview, worldview. We have brothers and sisters in Christ around the world that are family, that we have a hard time relating to that kind of persecution. But um, at least when it comes to protecting the Christian population, their government— in Nigeria, it seems like they're not in control, and so they seem like they just let Boko Haram and the Fulani uh, militants operate. I don't know, maybe they have a deal with them, or maybe they've been threatened or something. But, um, uh, Eric, it's, it's hard when you read stories like this. We have a hard time relating to it, and we look at our problems as so big. And uh, so just this reminder, if anything else, pray for our family in Christ, our brothers and sisters that are persecuted, even if they are not Christians or if we don't know they're Christians, these are people that are, these are our neighbors. We're supposed to love our neighbors. This is uh, groups in another country that are really living in fear and terror, and uh, it's just not safe there over in Nigeria. So just that story to end this segment on to rem remind us of our perspective and the blessings we have here in America with all the garbage going on. More with Eric Jackson on Stand Up For The Truth when we come back. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Acts chapter 4 starts out by saying, As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed. Why? Because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they put them in prison, and many of those who had heard the message believed. And the number of men came to about 5,000 converts in that moment. They're living in the moment, knowing that they were doing something that the, the Sadducees and, and the high priest, they didn't want them to do. But they preached Jesus alive, resurrected from the dead, Jesus as the Messiah, they were arrested, and look at the fruit of that. The number of men came to be about 5,000. So the next day, they got together, the scribes, and they were in Jerusalem, and the high priest was there, and they brought the apostles in, and they said, By what power or what name have you done this? Peter, then filled with the Holy Spirit, said, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And then Peter said, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among, among mankind by which we must be saved. So Peter just said, a fisherman, an unschooled, ordinary man, just said to the most educated religious leaders, the most studied religious leaders of his time, Jesus is your Messiah. There is no other name. And talk about courage. This is the—but if you, the Holy Spirit was involved in that, right? Because yes. it says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, 
and went on and said to yes. that. And of course, they were threatened. And the famous verse in 19 and 20, but Peter and John answered them and said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge, for we cannot but speak about the things we have seen and heard. Your thoughts, Eric? Uh, when, when you are paying attention to what is what God is putting on you, again, in the moment, you're capable of these kinds of things that you have no right of being capable to. But again, I just think of if, if, if Peter would have been worried about what he was going to do next week, he would not have been ready to do this. And I even think of the Old Testament where I believe it was Joshua that told the people, prepare to be amazed. And you, you, you just kind of skim past it, but it's like, no, that's actually a thing, even with magicians, because you have to actually <laughs> prepare to be amazed. I can do something amazing, and if you're not prepared, you will not be amazed by the amazing thing I'm doing. Because if you're not watching, mm. you're going to miss, no matter how great of the thing that I'm doing, if you're not prepared to be amazed, it doesn't matter how amazing I am. Mm. You're not going to be amazed. And I just think of actually paying attention. And I know that that sounds simple, but that's one of our biggest jobs as Christians is pay attention. And I know people are like, we got to pay attention to what's going to happen. And yeah, there's some, but it's like, we got to pay attention to what's happening in this moment right now. What is God telling me to mm. say, to do? Where am I being called to step boldly out into this? Because I, I feel with all my heart, if Peter would have been worried about what was going to happen in the future, he would not have done this. And there would have yeah. been thousands of people that did not hear the gospel because he would not have been ready because he wasn't paying attention. Lord God, for Eric and I and everyone in the sound of our voice that's listening to this podcast right now, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give us a refreshing of your Holy Spirit and give us that boldness and sensitivity to your voice that we may proclaim the goodness and the gospel of Jesus Christ and that they may either be saved or Christians would be encouraged and strengthened in their faith in Jesus' name. Um, Amen. Prepare, yeah. Um, we want to be about what God's doing, and it's hard if you're not in the moment. There's a, the men of Issachar understood the times and how to respond. They weren't worried about the future. They had discernment. They knew what was happening right then, and it, that's what the Bible tells us about them. It commends them for discerning, understanding the times, and how to respond. So not just staying at home. You might be studying your Bible. Great. But if you're just staying at home and you're not responding the way God is leading you, what is the word speaking to you, you're only doing half of what you could be doing. Um, one verse that stands out, verse 13, they, after Peter got done saying that, they went, whoa. I mean, th this guy's a fisherman. He's in, he didn't go to school, and he just eloquently, uh, boldly proclaimed the Messiah in Jesus Christ. And it says, Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed. The most religious, educated leaders of that time were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Yeah. Do people recognize you and I as having been with Jesus? Yeah, and what it says is they'll know that because you'll do things that you can't do. I mean, that's when's the last time in, I'm looking at myself, when's the last time in my life that I did something that I can't do? Where people look and say the only way that happened that had to be God. is because Jesus is doing something in his yeah. life. Um, and that's part of, you know, we wonder, you know, why are, are unsafe people not drawn to Christ? And it's like, are we showing them that there's something more in Christ than apart from him? We have to show in our lives oh that we're doing more than we could do without him. And mm. that's a hard thing. And, and that's where you look at Peter is that's what he showed. I'm an uneducated fisherman, but because I've been with Jesus, I'm doing things I have no right to do. Therefore, there must be some power in this Jesus guy. Mm. Um, when you said that, I'm thinking, man, last year during... Uh, the, the first impact of the Rona, I think a lot of churches, rightly so, uh, thought, okay, this is uh, the right thing to do. We're going to close down for a couple weeks. And uh, I, think it, I think we're about a year from two weeks to flatten the curve. <laughs> I think that was about a year ago. Um, but anyway, uh, and then the goalposts kept moving, right? Yep. But the, the point is church churches, I think uh, we didn't get back to God's business and use that moment 
when the world is freaking out, hopeless, and fearing death. Should Christians have a fear of death even though it's a virus? Should, should we have the same fear as those in the world? No, not to, I'm not saying be irresponsible, but I'm kind of trying to segue into your thought on leadership. In your book, because a lot of us were disappointed by church leaders across the country saying, come on, you guys, people need to hear the gospel. They need hope. They're freaking out over a virus, and now we've got these big uh, these government restrictions, these heavy-handed power grabs, and we, we, people are, are really needing something uh, outside themselves, which would be God. And, and faith, and I don't think the church was there like we could have been. So you've got a chapter in your book. I don't know if that's a good segue or not. Chapter 11, because we haven't talked about this yet. It's called the on-deck circle, and on-deck is in quotes. Can you explain what that's about? Does, does that have anything to do with what I just yes. let us? No, that's actually a perfect segue, because that's one of the things my wife and I would joke about during all of this, is I would wake up in the morning, look at the mirror, and say, well, who do you want to disappoint today? Because that's really, for a lot of pastors, that's just <laughs> yes. who, what group am I going to make mad today? Yeah, yeah. Um, because you were put in these no-win situations where either yep. I'm not respecting authority or people are putting, because part of the reason is, I know there's a lot of people who are like, you know, whether it's wearing masks, I wear it because it makes someone else feel good. I have absolutely no fear. I would go stand in the middle of a plague center and I have no fear. But someone would see them and say, oh, that means that you're afraid. And so we are all, it was just, okay, which group do I get to make mad today? And it segues perfectly because in that chapter, it deals with when you are disappointed and frustrated with your leader, which I think, like you said, a lot of people were. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, I'll say, selfishly give your pastor some grace mm-hmm. and, and understand they were in a no-win yeah. situation and there were scriptures on either side to to show hey respect authority or you know you can even look at um when paul was talking about eating meat sacrificed to idols there is there's a lesson in there of like hey i'll kind of sacrifice even one of my freedoms if it is removes an obstacle from somebody else and I'm not saying one way or another, but I just understand um, they were in a tough spot. Yeah. But you've got to know how to deal with your frustration and disappointment with your leadership. And in the chapter, I talk about Joshua, because basically when he wanted to go into the promised land and he knew they were supposed to go in there, Moses was kneeling before the people, a coward. That was his leader. And the people were ready to stone Joshua, and Moses didn't stand up. Moses didn't do any. He bowed down before the people. So you want to talk about being very Hmm. disappointed in your leader. Because even if you go back to that whole story where Joshua and Caleb are saying, we can do this, there's no voice of Moses in that whole thing. He's completely silent in that whole thing. And and obviously Joshua is very frustrated because he wanted to go take that land. He knew they were supposed to go take that land. I remember that. It was Joshua and Caleb who went and yep. spied out and, and said, we should certainly go take yep. it as God promised. Yes. And they talked about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Yep. And then it said for, that— For bringing a good report. Yep. And then they said that Aaron and Moses bowed down before the people because they were afraid. Wow. So that is—that was wow. his leader. And so in the chapter, it talks about how to deal with that. And basically, I talk about the idea of the on-deck circle in baseball is you go out there so that you can get a better view of what the pitcher is trying to do. And even if the batter in front of you strikes out, you have a better understanding of what kind of pitches are being thrown, how that pitcher is trying to work, so that Hmm. when you get up there, you can hit that pitch that the person in front of you struck out on. And that's what happened with Joshua, is he didn't run away. He didn't say, well, you know what? If you're going to be like this, I'm going to go start my own nation. He hung in there and he watched Moses and when it was his turn, he hit a home run. He, he, he got his turn. And I will say to anyone listening that's frustrated with your church leadership, mm. you're going to get your turn. So watch. And that's not necessarily to start your own church. Right. But that's to maybe have a leadership position or maybe go and be among a different uh, church of, of believers. Yes. It's, it's not to take over. Correct. You know. it's, and I say in the book to have influence. You are going to have influence. At some, if you continue to seek after God, you'll have your turn with influence. 
And it's really easy to pick apart your leaders, mm. but you better make sure that you're ready to hit that pitch then that they're striking out on because you're going to get a chance to do it. And that's what I encourage. If you're frustrated with your leaders, I get it. Um, they probably didn't do everything right. I know I didn't. I know mm. I didn't do everything right. But my hope is that the people around me watched and paid attention and they're going to be better than me mm. when they get their turn to have influence. Isn't that what it's about in a way, um, equipping the saints for ministry. I don't care if someone learns more than me. I don't care if someone develops a stronger faith than me. I think that's awesome. I don't care if someone goes out and evangelizes more than me. They're doing what God wants them to do. So in a way that I might perceive it as stronger than me, but if it glorifies God, who cares? I'm doing my job to try to give whatever I can to them in that moment, right? Yeah, well, we even talk about perspective, and Paul, I think, is the king of perspective. I would I would give a lot to have the perspective of Paul, because even when he had people who were preaching the gospel specifically to just hurt him, he was like, awesome, <laughs> they're preaching the gospel. You want to talk about perspective? <laughs> wow. He's like, go right. ahead, do it. Hurt me all you want. But if you're preaching the gospel, I'm happy as with it. As long as Christ is preached, that's right? It. That's Wow, that's a good good example. Oh, my goodness. We, it went by so fast today. Eric Jackson is in studio. We've got to wrap it up here, but his book is called Feral Christian. If you want to know how you can get a couple copies, uh, give me a holler. Uh, you know, Email comments at standupforthetruth.com. We've got some copies here at the studio, but I'll put the link. It's on Amazon. It's called Feral, F-E-R-A-L, Christian, and uh, he'll be back with us again. Thank you so much for coming in again, brother. Thank you for having me. Like you said, this flew by. I cannot believe this was an hour. That's the Holy Spirit. Okay, when we come back, um, some exciting guests to tell you about uh, next week and uh, maybe one uh, down the road that we might be surprised about too. Keep it right here on Stand Up For The Truth. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. All right. Um, you got to check out my article this week over at freedomproject.com. Last I checked, it was like 26,000 views. It's going nuts. We just posted it yesterday, but it's on Congress canceling God. And really what that means, it really reveals a worldview now that... Uh, we got to be aware of, friends. Um, right now, we've got guests coming up next week. I'm really excited to tell you about Dr. Erwin Lutzer. Or Lutzer. He's got a book out called, uh, I believe it's We Will Not Be Silenced. I can't wait to talk to Dr. Erwin Lutzer next week. Um, that's Monday. Um, we've got Todd Nettleton. He is on The Voice of the Martyrs. He does the radio program. But he's got a book out on uh, uh, faith uh, and persecution. So, He's never had a book out that I remember. So Todd Nettleton, will have him next week. Uh, Sam Sorbo, yes, Kevin Sorbo's wife. She's a homeschooling expert. She's got a book on words for warriors. And, man, they are fighting on the front lines of this culture war, Kevin Sorbo and Sam Sorbo. And he's actually got a film out, movie out, documentary. But um, And then Washington Times journalist Cheryl Chumley. Uh, the week after that, uh, she's got some great articles on the Christian worldview and how it applies to what's going on in our country and government. And a prophecy expert, John Haller, um, also on the way. Anyway, more to tell you about, but um, I'm just so excited to talk to so many good people, and it just encourages me, blesses my faith. Hope it does the same thing for you. If you have any uh, suggestions, of course, comments at standupforthetruth.com. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.